text for this morning is the gospel lesson that was read just a few moments ago. It's on the back of your bulletin. Let me encourage you to keep that out and be looking at it as we work our way through it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Euangelion. Euangelion. That was a word that burst into the world during the first century and was soon heard everywhere. That word was, was in the message that the angels brought to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. That word was used by Jesus when he began his ministry in Galilee. He spoke that word to so many, euangelion. That was, word was also in the one sermon that he preached in Nazareth, the one sermon there, euangelion. Preaching to the disciples in the crowd at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus made this startling statement. He said, whoever loses his life for me and the euangelion will save it. And right before he ascended into heaven, he said to the disciples what was, has been called the Great Commission. And he said, go into all the world and preach the euangelion to all nations. And then Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, says that he is not ashamed of the euangelion because he said it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That word was often on the lips of the Apostle Paul. Not only did he use it in the letter to the Romans, but he also used it in his letter to the Corinthians and the Galatians and the Ephesians and the Philippians and the Thessalonians and also to Timothy. Euangelion. When Matthew sat down to write his witness about the life of Jesus, he at the very top of the page wrote this word, euangelion. And Mark wrote that at the top first uh, at the top of the first page of his gospel, and also John and also you, Luke, euangelion, always at the top of the page of each of the gospels. Well, it was a Greek word, and it simply means good news, good news. The angels brought good news, and Jesus brought good news, and the disciples went out into the world to take to it good news, and the apostle Paul wrote about good news. Jesus himself, of course, is euangelion, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of that is good news. The whole Christian faith is euangelion. It is good news. And from this word, euangelion, we get an English word, and you can hear our English word in this word, euangelion, if you listen very carefully. Listen, euangelion, evangelism. You hear, the, hear it there? Euangelion, the Greek word for good news, is also the word from which we get our word evangelism. But evangelism is simply taking the good news of Jesus to other people. That's what euangelion is. And our text, of course, today is about euangelion. And in it we find both the why and the what of evangelism, and that's what we want to talk about in the next few minutes, and I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. First of all, we want to talk about the why of evangelism, and the why can be summed up very briefly in this way. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and everyone needs a lamb. It's that simple. That's the why of evangelism. Jesus is the Lamb of God and everyone needs a lamb. 
Now in our text, John is ending his ministry and Jesus is beginning his ministry. The baptism of Jesus has already taken place. That was a momentous event, remember? And as Jesus is being baptized, the clouds part and the heavens open and the voice comes through, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the dove, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descends in the form of a dove. Right after that baptism, of course, Jesus, Jesus heads out into the desert and he's out there for 40 days and 40 nights. And he is praying and he is preparing for the ministry that's going to be his. He is uh, meditating, all of these things. But he's also a man under attack because the devil is assaulting him and attacking him in every way he can to draw him away from that which is his purpose and that which is mission. Jesus does not give in. He does not give in once. He remains pure and holy, obedient to his Father's will. Now, our text takes place after Jesus comes back after the wilderness experience. So he's been on the desert now. He's been baptized. He's been on the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Now he comes back to where John is working. And John is working along the Jordan River right north of Jericho. And Jesus comes there one day and as he is passing by, John sees him and points to him and says, there's the Lamb of God is going to take away the sin of the world. John goes on talking to the crowd that's around me. He says, you know, that's the man I've been talking about. I've been talking about him. I've been telling you that I am to prepare the way for him. That's my whole ministry, is to call people to repentance and prepare their hearts to receive him. But he's the one. He's the Messiah. And I'll tell you how I know that, John says. God told me that I'd one that when I was baptizing, I would baptized one and the spirit would descend upon that one and that one upon whom the spirit descended that's the messiah that's the lamb of god and he says let me tell you something that happened while i was baptizing that man jesus that the spirit descended upon him that he is the son of god he is the lamb of god now you can imagine what an exciting moment that must have been john now pointing to jesus and saying There he is. That's the man I've been preparing for. The Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. Now that word was packed with meaning. And everyone who heard it knew exactly what he was talking about. You see, the people who heard him knew that lambs were part of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. They knew that there's no forgiveness without sacrifice. Because you see, for centuries, God's people had been bringing lambs to the temple to sacrifice. They'd bring in lambs and lambs and lambs to cover guilt offerings and sin offerings, all kinds of suffering. They knew that there was sacrifice connected with forgiveness. And they also knew that every day for centuries and centuries, A lamb had been sacrificed in the temple at 9 o'clock in the morning, and another lamb had been sacrificed in the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And all of those lambs, of course, were sacrificed for the sins of the people, and those lambs were also sacrificed, pointing ahead to the time when there would be a once-and-for-all sacrifice by a lamb that would cover all sin for all time. So they picked up on this immediately. They knew what he was talking about. They also knew, of course, 
about how a lamb had been sacrificed in the Old Testament back in the days of the Exodus. They knew about the tenth plague and, and how their ancestors had sacrificed a lamb and painted the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They knew about that. That too was for salvation. That too was forgiveness of sins for that. And so as he called Jesus the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world, they knew exactly what he was pointing to. That this is the one who's going to make sacrifice of himself for forgiveness and for salvation. He was going to do this once and for all for God's people, not only for God's people, but for all the world. And so when John points to him and says, there's the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world, people immediately knew what he was talking about. So John points to Jesus and tells them that who he is. There's the Savior. There's the Savior who's going to take away the sin of the world. Now, listen very carefully. Listen very carefully to what he does not say about Jesus. He does not say, let me introduce you to a person who will help you find yourself. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, let me show you a man who will help you build your self-esteem and give you some principles for living which will help you find happiness. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, let me connect you with a person who will show you what you need to do in order to get yourself into heaven. He doesn't say that. What he says is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now behind that statement is the love and grace of God. And behind that statement there is the fact that there is absolutely nothing we can do to take away our own sin. We need a lamb and everyone needs a lamb. Because our situation is desperate and there's nothing we can do about it. God himself saw that and knew that. And that's why he then prepared to send into the world a lamb that would take away the sin of the world. And that's what the cross is about. That's what the cross is about. That's what Good Friday is all about. Because you see, Good Friday is about a lamb being sacrificed. A lamb that was out without spot or blemish, perfect and holy in every way. You see, what happened on Good Friday was that God sacrificed a lamb for you and for me. And that lamb's name was Jesus. And in that sacrifice, the judgment that stood against our sin was put upon him. The sin of the whole world was put upon him, that he there on Good Friday afternoon experienced our hell, your hell, my hell. And in the midst of all of that, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then at the end, when it was all over, he could cry out, it is finished. Centuries before, prophet Isaiah had described it in these haunting words. Listen. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. 
He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. What Isaiah was saying was, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus and Jesus alone takes away the sin of the world. He's the only way to heaven. There are not many lambs. There's only one lamb. There's not many ways. There's only one way. Jesus bore the consequences of our sin. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And the Apostle Peter got a, head, got a hold of this, and that's why before the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, when he was on trial, he said, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name given to men by which we must be saved. Now you put all of this together. You put our together our sin and you put together everything I've said about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross and all those kind of things you put that all together and you have the why of evangelism Jesus is the Lamb of God and everyone needs a lamb that's what evangelism is that's the why of it let me say it again Jesus is the Lamb of God and everyone needs a lamb that's the why now that's found in the very first verse of our text. You look at the verse on the back of the bulletin, you look at the very first verse. There's the why of evangelism, where it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then if you want to find the what of evangelism, you go right clear down to the very end of our text, and there you find the what. And that's in verse 42, where it says, He brought him to Jesus. That's the what of evangelism. That finally evangelism is simply bringing people who do not know Jesus to Jesus. Everyone needs a lamb. And evangelism is simply bringing people to be bringing people to Jesus so that he can be the lamb. Now, look at verse 40. Look at verse 40 because here you see this in operation. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then these words, Then he brought him to Jesus. So the evangelism is finally finding your brother and bringing him to Jesus. Now, Andrew literally brings his brother to Jesus. And there's a, there's a great word there too, isn't there? 
Because the first person that he thinks of when it comes to Jesus now as the Lamb of God is his own brother. You see, isn't that just so very natural? When we think of people that we want to have the Lamb, we think of those who are nearest us and dearest to us. Are those the ones we want to have the Lamb first of all? Is those nearest and dearest to us? Don't we want our spouse to have the lamb? Don't we want our children to have the lamb? Don't we want to have our don't we want our grandchildren to have the lamb? Don't we want our sisters and brothers to have the lamb? Don't we want our aunts and uncles to have the lamb? Don't we want our boyfriend or our girlfriend? or our fiancé to have the lamb? Don't we want our best friend to have the lamb? Don't we want those nearest and dearest to us to have the forgiveness, the salvation, the heaven that's in the lamb? That's what evangelism is, isn't it? That's where it starts, you see. And it starts with praying for that person. First of all, First of all, we bring the person to the Lamb by prayer. That person we know who's a relative of ours, maybe it's our spouse, maybe it's our aunt, it's uncle, it's a cousin, whomever. But we bring that person to the Lamb, first of all, by praying for that person. Praying and praying and praying for that person that, that somehow the Holy Spirit would be able to come into the heart of that person and bring that person to know the Lamb as Lord and Savior. But brother means also every person, not every person we know, maybe not those very close to us, but that also includes our friends and our acquaintances and, and our co-workers. It includes the people we don't know. It includes the person in the house next to us and the house right across the street and then out in the country. Jesus told the disciples that he'd come to seek and to save the lost. That's how he described evangelism. But Jesus, that was his whole work. His whole work. Ever think about that? The whole work of Jesus was evangelism. That he was seeking and saving. That's what his whole work and ministry was all about. Reaching people for salvation. He told the disciples when he called them, I want to make you fishers of men, which meant this. I'm going to train you guys for three years so that you can carry on the work of evangelism after I'm gone. That your whole work, your whole ministry, your whole life from now on is going to be about reaching people and showing them that I'm the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then right before he ascended into heaven, he said, now I want you guys to carry on the work that I've begun. I want you to go out and make disciples. I want you to be evangelists for the rest of your lives. And then the book of Acts talks about how seriously they took this command and how they spent the rest of their lives doing what? Doing evangelism. As one man has said, even a casual inspection of the New Testament will reveal that evangelism was the priority of the early church. The early church had one priority, and that was evangelism. And that must be true here about Trinity, too. That we have one priority, one priority. Everything we have, everything we do is connected finally with evangelism. 
so that our worship services, our Sunday school, our day school, everything we do in terms of property, the endowment funds, everything here is connected somehow with evangelism, with getting this truth to people that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and everyone needs that Lamb. Because without that Lamb, there is no salvation. So that one, as one man has said, evangelism is not forcing an unwelcome product on unwilling prospects. It is offering people a free gift. And by the, DT, by the name of D.T. Miles, or Niles has said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Do you know one of the hindrances to our evangelism, though, today is that we forget this fact. People are lost. Let me say that again. People are lost. That we confuse, in our society today, we confuse a moral life with a Christian life. And they are not the same. We confuse a moral life with a Christian life. We have the idea that if a person's a good person and they live a kind of a good moral life and they are honest and they take care of their families and, and they are kind people and they are easy to get along with, that somehow they are saved. And that we don't realize that a good, kind, decent man can still be a godless man because he doesn't have the lamb. And that even good, kind, decent, moral men end up eternally separated from God because they don't have the Lamb. But finally, God calls us as a church and he calls each and every one of us to realize that we live in the midst of lost people who need the Lamb and our only connection and, and God's only connection to them is through us. There's a th another thing we want to note about this man, Andrew. He goes to his brother immediately. Do you notice that? That he goes to his brother immediately. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to talk to Simon when I get around to it. I'm going to talk to my brother, uh, oh, when the time is right. I'm going to talk to my brother... Oh, maybe next year. You know, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't put it off. He goes immediately, you see. Because you see, in him there is a, a passion now. He's got some good news. He's got euangelion, and he wants to share that immediately. And so he is passionate about going to his brother. And that's so important, too, because lukewarmness will never win anyone for Christ or bring anyone to salvation, you see. I'm sure that every person here this morning knows someone who if they were to die today, their salvation would be in doubt. I'm sure that everyone here knows someone this morning. And probably everyone here this morning knows someone who's very near to them and dear to them who doesn't have the Lamb. And what that means is that, first of all, God wants you to begin praying for that person and praying and praying and praying and don't give up. 
If you need you to pray, bring that person by name to the Lord every day. And if you know more than someone, if you know many people, then make a list of those people and put that list in your Bible or put that list in your portals of prayer and every day be praying for that list that God would somehow, some way, touch their hearts and make it possible for you to say something to them in terms of invitation. Invite them. George Barna has said this, most people in America would attend church if a friend invited them to come. The problem is that most Christians in America don't think their faith is important enough to share it with others. Ooh, listen to that again. Most people in America would attend church if a friend invited them to come. The problem is that most Christians in America don't think their faith is important enough to share it with others. Next Sunday, we begin adult inquirers class again. I hope you're praying for someone and have been for the class and for some in individual to come. Remember three times. Talk to them about coming three times and just learning about Jesus. You'll have to, it's not about joining Trinity Lutheran Church, but about learning about Jesus. And if they decline and say, no, I'm not coming, then you keep on praying. Because we've been doing this long enough, and I've been doing this long enough too, and you know that too, that there's people that have come after 10 years of praying for them and reaching out to them. So we keep on, we keep on, we keep on. We don't quit. And you give witness about through your own life. And you let people know that Jesus means everything to you. Just how important He is as your Savior. And how committed to you, to Him, you are as His. You know, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you leave here with anything this morning, I hope you'll leave this with this. That every person is in desperate need of a lamb. And that you'll leave here this morning thinking to yourself, I'm an Andrew. I'm an Andrew. Who is the Simon that God place, has placed close to me that I can reach? You're a Simon. I'm a Simon. You're an Andrew. And I'm an Andrew. And we are surrounded by Simons. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.